It is the Colby Daniels Podcast, and we are joined today once again by my good friend, Mr. Davis. Aaron Davis, what is happening? Not much. Just, uh, it's here. It's finally here. Talking about it for like, I don't know, like months of how every week I'm just like, all right, we're one more closer. One week closer. Finally, like, real football season is here. Like, NFL tomorrow, awesome game tomorrow. I'm so stoked for the game tomorrow. I know obviously you are because the Cowboys are playing, but like, just a great matchup. And then, like, we finally get an opening week game where it's not like the freaking Patriots or Steelers. And I'm all in. Like, I'm super stoked. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a good game. And I know then, the Patriots and Steelers have big fan bases, but, man, those are two of the most boring teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they could be fun, obviously, but, like, it's just – they get, it gets, it's boring because we see them on national TV all the time, which you could say the Cowboys are the same – Cowboys absolutely in the same scenario. But you don't mind because you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I don't mo- necessarily mind seeing the Cowboys on national TV all the time. I'm just so sick and tired of seeing them play the freaking Giants and Eagles on national TV all the time. Well, yeah, I so, the NFC East stinks, so I totally get that sentiment from anybody that's not a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, for sure. So if you're if you're giving me Cowboys bucks, I'm all in because the Cowboys, they're a fun team. Like, there's a lot of fun players on that team, and the Bucks obviously are the Bucks. So like, yeah, I'm all in on that matchup. Plus, it's Week One. I don't. I, I'd probably tune in regardless of the. Oh, I definitely would tune in no matter regardless of the matchup. But I'd probably be really excited regardless of the matchup. But I'm in. And Week Two of college football, like. We, I thought week one was uh, a little disappointing, I guess, a little bit. It was fun. I mean, college football was back, and there was a lot of fun things. But as far as, like, the quality of the matchups, didn't quite turn out as fun as I'd hoped. Notre Dame, Florida State ended up being a lot better than I expected. But for the most part, there wasn't a lot of games that really went down to the wire. Yeah, no, that's true, and I think a lot of that is just because there were a lot of teams that struggled in Week 1 and struggled maybe more than we would expect. But at the same time, Aaron, I think there's also the element that you have to give credit to the fact that these teams were playing better competition than they normally do in Week 1 scenarios. I mean, we've grown up in a college football world where almost everybody not named Alabama in Week number 1 plays a Missouri State or plays a, as Bob Stoops would say, South Popcorn State or whatever it is. So while Oklahoma State did struggle with Missouri State, those are usually the opponents that, you know, top 25 caliber teams play in week one and put 70 on the board. And it just, it looks extremely flawless, but they're not really tested. And I think we, you know, especially in the Big Ten, there were a lot of conference matchups we had the Clemson Georgia game Alabama played Miami and Alabama looked terrific but I think across the board uh, LSU UCLA like there there were a lot of good matchups with power five teams playing significantly better competition in their first time out yeah I mean first off thank God UCLA won because the Pac-12 looked absolutely terrible on Saturday. So UCLA salvaged something for that conference to beat LSU. And man, it sucks. Like they were giving away free tickets to that game. Not to the students, to like just the general public. Yeah. They were giving away free tickets to a UCLA game. And I, I haven't watched the game, but I was it full? Like it was even close to being full, half full. Uh I you know what? I actually don't even remember I, I was watching multiple games all day long, so I had that game on, and I was paying attention to the football, but I'd be lying if I said I was paying attention to any crowd shots or anything like that, so yeah, Washington I don't recall. losing to Montana, like, that's a huge L for that conference, and Oregon struggled against Fresno State. I know, I know Kayvon Thibodeau got hurt pretty early, but still, I mean, beat Fresno State by seven. I mean, you're yeah. supposed to be one of the favorites in that conference to get the playoffs, but yeah. Well, they get to they get it, they have a prove it game on Saturday against Ohio State. So, yeah, you know, Oregon gets the win and they get to bounce back really quickly and either change our minds or confirm that they are who we saw in week number one. But again, I think like how bad was Georgia's offense? How bad was Clemson's offense? Like, I give a lot of credit to yeah. those defenses because I think they're both top five defenses in college football. But to not even be able to score a touchdown, come on, that those offenses struggled. Uh, I mean, extremely, uh, in almost every phase. I mean, offensive line, quarterback play, they just, they just weren't good. 
you know, yeah, everybody outside. not named Alabama, I think, you know, had a hard time. Uh, I, Ohio State, obviously, going back to last Thursday, played well, especially in the second half. But, I mean, we saw struggles from pretty much everybody in the country. Well, outside of the team, we would expect no, to not struggle. Like yeah. Alabama was... Yeah. I, 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 you know, I had some, like, hesitation last week because you asked me, like, we were having that conversation about, like, the teams that could win the national title or, like, those teams that, you know, could get in the playoffs. And I kind of hesitated on Alabama because I was like, I don't know. Bryce Young hasn't really – I haven't seen anything from Bryce Young. And, you know, I've seen DJ Uangalele uh, play, and, like, he looked really good. And it was just – I mean, Bryce Young, as far as quarterback play of the games I watched, I probably watched, like – seven or eight games like from start to finish from Saturday. Bryce Young was probably the best quarterback of the weekend. I mean, I like just, I mean, it looked like he had played 30 games at that level and just complete comfort, like great movement in the pocket, like always could just, you know, take those extra few steps to get some room to make a perfect pass. Like it was, yeah, I, I look, dude, I, he's a millionaire already. And I could, I could see why, because Everybody was pretty confident he was going to end up being pretty good. And I know it's one game, but. Well, he's at Alabama for a reason. I mean, the guy was the guys from a from a talent standpoint. The guy's obviously one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football. Let's also give a little bit of credit to the situation he's in at Alabama with all the playmakers he has around him. And first and foremost, the offensive line that he has in front of him and the fact that they're playing a Miami team whose top three pass rushers were just drafted in the NFL. Yeah. Jalen Phillips, first round pick. Gregory Rousseau, first round pick. Uh, I don't remember uh, where the other, What's what was the other Miami uh, edge rush? Um, it was it, Phillips, Rousseau, and... Uh, he was the Temple yeah. transfer. Anyway, he, he got drafted as well, so I think he went to Pittsburgh. So th- their, their top three pass rushers, all drafted to the NFL, so... Uh, Quincy Miami, Roche. Quincy Roche. There you go. So you don't have as much worry about what Miami's bringing from a pass rush standpoint on top of the fact that Alabama's offensive line is absolutely dominant. Look at the Clemson situation. The Clemson O-line last year wasn't, I mean, it was average at best. They were. I think so they are not good going into this year. You have a young quarterback that's making his third start and you're playing one of the best defensive lines in college football. I mean, that's... That's that's a tough chore for DJ. And and look, he I think there were times that he looked completely overwhelmed by what was happening. There were situations where I think in, in the rare opportunity that, that the offensive line did give him time, uh, he looked completely unprepared to be able to make plays in those situations. And again, on television, you don't always know what the separation is down the field with receivers and defensive backs. But, I mean, to, to see the Georgia pass rush and you know there were times they applied extra pressure to completely dominate Clemson's offensive line and have a young quarterback that's not able to identify a lot of that stuff uh that was I mean it was just a catastrophe yeah okay first off don't don't uh, come on you discredit uh uh Bryce Young like that I'm not discrediting him I'm just saying in context in context, if we put Bryce Young behind center in that Clemson game against Georgia, it probably looks very similar. I don't know. And if you he put just... DJ behind that Alabama offensive line against a Miami pass rush that that was kind of non-existent, I'm sure he throws a bunch of dimes as well. I don't know. For what I look, <laughs> so there, DJ had a couple of passes where like you could see it, like you could see like this, like where the hype is from. Yeah, like, for that sure. Flash of last year. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of plays where he's holding on to the ball too long. There were a number of plays, and Kirk Herbstreit was even getting frustrated at it, that he just wouldn't run. Like, there was just no effort to get out of the yeah. pocket when there was open space and get some, and just get something. And towards the end of the game, like on that last drive especially, or the next to last drive, like he started running a little bit. Uh, Dabble started calling some, you know, quarterback design runs, and they were effect- moving the ball a little bit. But yeah. He was a deer know, in headlights, like, let's be honest. I mean, that, that Georgia pass rush from snap number yeah, I mean, one no, was in his head. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like – I'm recalling the game in my head, and it feels like every single time he dropped back, he was getting hit by somebody. Yeah. But I don't know. I think Bryce I think Bryce Young would have fared way better in that game. I'm not saying he would have went, you know, 
27 to 38 for 340 and four touchdowns. But I think his comfort level, it, like on the field, and I know like it, it does play a part, like being in behind the Alabama offensive line fairly comes off. He it plays a massive. It, Aaron, the comfort level is completely about what the offensive line is giving you. Like, I, I'm not well, saying I, that Bryce Young would have failed. I'm just saying we don't know that he would have succeeded because we've never seen him in that situation. And we may not we may not see him in that situation all year long. Look, regardless, I thought he was the best quarterback. He, he was that I saw he, on absolutely. He was fantastic. Now I will say though, the best player that I saw in any game that I watched on Saturday is easily Bijan Robinson. Oh man, that kid is so good. Like I I like it. I you know how I think Texas is absolutely the goofiest school and like it's so fun to make fun of them. Yep. But when he got hurt when he went down, like super awkward. Did you see him go down? Yeah. Like it was, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, he's, that's not good. Like he went down so awkward. His body just folded and his legs were like completely extended. I was like, that dude is, that's not good. Luckily he's, I guess he's fine. He came back in that game. I haven't seen an injury report because I've kind of sequestered myself from social media because I was still catching up on all the games. But yeah, that dude is like. On it. I know they were playing Louisiana, but Louisiana was good last year, and they took, but they brought everybody back, and he just looked like he was in another universe, running, you know, on yeah. that field and like receiving. He was effective, and apparently they didn't really use him in the uh, the passing game that much last year. But seventy yards yesterday, hundred yards on the ground, like just jump cuts, like super athletic, super quick. Like he he might be. I know it's week one, and I'm speaking hyperbole, and like I'm jumping the gun, but like just from a talent standpoint, like. He might be the best player in the country. Like he feel has like Reggie Bush vibes to me. Yeah, I, I agree. There is a wow factor with him. Every time he touches the ball, it's there's a wow factor. His one yard gains are a wow factor because when he has the ball in his hands, there is an electricity that you just think like this guy could take it to the house. Yeah, and look, if Hudson Card is just like comparable, like he's just a decent quarterback for Texas, like they're gonna be, they're not gonna be bad this year. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. I saw um, this morning Texas, on the on uh, the news that the allergens are very high today. Well, yeah, the Texas defense. I mean, they were decent, but I a lot of it, honestly, Levi Lewis just kind of he missed a lot of passes. Like they went in that game, and the conversation of the broadcast crew is that he might be the best player on the field when he's on the field, but he just he looked a little overwhelmed by the situation. He had a lot. He just a lot of passes that were just completely off or. But it just it just didn't work out. So Texas defense, I don't know where to gauge them right now, but their offense looked pretty decent. It looked a lot better than I would have expected. It looked way better than a Tom Herman offense. So you know, if Bijan Robinson stays healthy and Hudson Card, uh, you know, continues to start and continues to just be a decent quarterback, I mean, they're going to be contenders in this conference probably. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the Oklahoma State game was a big red flag, especially with what they did in the run game. Now, again, understanding that your offense looks completely different with Shane Illingworth than it would with Spencer Sanders. You were you were down one offensive lineman. Uh, you know, we we obviously understand that the offensive line is only as good as its weakest link. Uh, all of that, like I feel like for Oklahoma State, especially with the offensive line. Like, we've had to grade them on a curve for, like, 10 years straight. Like, they just, for whatever reason, they cannot get five guys together and put them on the football field and keep them healthy. Like, it has been a, a musical chairs type situation with that group. And, so, you know, guys retiring early and injuries and, you know, like, again, I so I understand that there were struggles, but to, to say that, I'm not alarmed would be a lie because I think there was a lack of physicality with that group against Missouri state. And, and you got to give Missouri state some credit, but still, I mean, when you are Oklahoma state, you should be at least more physical than the Missouri state defensive line. And they weren't. So maybe that gets better yeah. next week when, when uh, you get Spencer Sanders back in there and when you get uh, you're, you're running your full arsenal uh, offensively, but I, I think it's something to at least be concerned about. It's a it's a red flag for me. And then Iowa State, man, like I, I guess we just need to start taking uh, the points again. Whoever Iowa State is playing week one, just take the other team and the points because for Iowa State week one is just a, a complete disaster. And maybe they'll show up this weekend against I, Iowa. But man, what that was also I, I just terrible. 
That's a tough game, though, because Iowa absolutely dominated Indiana. And Indiana yeah. may come back down to earth after last year, the weird, like, COVID year. But it, Iowa looked really good against a conference opponent in a top 25 matchup. And Iowa State looked like, like you said, Iowa State in week one, who doesn't really show up for their games against these much, much, much lesser opponents. But... I mean, look, Campbell, Matt Campbell's a good coach. Like, I, I completely trust him to improve the team as the season goes on and get them ready for, you know, that second game. Luckily, Iowa's obviously not a conference game. So, in the grand scheme of things in the conference, I like, dropping that game isn't necessarily the end of the world for Iowa State. Right. Who I, I, I'd be very curious, like, internally in that, in that locker room and in that program, like, what the goal is for this year. Like, is, is the playoff, like, even on their radar this year? Or are they just really focused on winning that conference championship and just wherever the cards lay after that, then that's where they end up. But I mean, they're definitely. That's a good question. I mean, I would say that I feel like with Iowa State and Oklahoma, because they're both on everybody's radar preseason top 10 teams, that I think there's probably the natural assumption that if you win this league, you're going to have a really good shot at getting into the playoff. But, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, Matt Campbell doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to skip over, like, winning the conference and, and talk about playoffs, so. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, look, less than two yards rushing against a carry against Missouri State is pretty unacceptable. Like, I don't know how Gundy uh, or anybody in that, that coaching staff can really excuse having a 1.9 yard per carry average against Missouri State when you're Oklahoma State and you want – in your mind, you can contend in this conference. So, yeah, like you well, said. Well, to their credit, they interest. didn't. They didn't make any excuses for it, and they said they have to That's be better true. in that department. So, yeah. Speaking of, uh, but, you know, it's not like Oklahoma came out Saturday. I mean, they obviously both teams won, but it's not like Oklahoma came out looking significantly better, uh, you know, than Oklahoma State. Obviously, like, there was a the offense at times, like, you looked a lot better than whatever Oklahoma State put out at any point. Um, and we talked, I texted you about it Saturday or Sunday, I guess. They really did just take their foot off the gas in the second half against Tulane. Like, yeah, yeah I guess that's kind of the Lincoln Riley, like, MO, especially against these teams like Tulane, where, like, you get up big in the first half and you kind of just get conservative after that. And the game ends up looking a little bit closer than it really was. Yeah, and look, I even thought in the first half they were pretty sloppy. But even playing sure. sloppy football, they were able to establish a big lead and they let their foot off the gas. And Lincoln Riley yesterday in his press conference talked a lot about mentality and that their mentality has to change. And I think he's exactly right. I mean, I think the thing that separated Oklahoma last year, especially down the stretch, was their mentality was different. They felt like a physically dominant football team and they felt like a team that wanted to get in fistfights and when you're giving up second half leads it doesn't give you the impression that that's a football team that wants to get in a fistfight so they've got to find that again if they're going to reach the levels that we all kind of set for them in the preseason but look I thought Spencer Rattler had a had a subpar performance uh, obviously from a box score standpoint like it wasn't terrible but He's he's he still, still made some throws. Yeah, I think there were accuracy issues. I thought there were decision making issues. I thought at times the thing about him that that really I thought stuck out to me was how many times he just throws the ball like off his back foot or I mean just just not the best mechanics from Spencer Rattler and I think a lot of that is just because his arm talent is so good. Just, that he thinks he can just make every throw no matter what. And I think sometimes his mechanics suffer because of that. And then the ball isn't where it should be. Yeah, he, um, you know, there was, and I think I might have even been guilty of this, like of him coming out of high school. Like there, there's that, like, not, not instinct, but like a, uh, like indulgence, I guess, to like want to call him like a, a Patrick Mahomes light because of his arm talent, because of the way the, I mean, the ball just flies out of his hand. Like, Absolutely. He's got one of the quickest releases I've seen from a quarterback at this level in a long time, or at least that I can remember. So like, yeah, I, I think that he does kind of just, like you said, his mechanics are flawed at times because he relies on his arm and he can make those throws. Like there was, 
I'm trying to remember who he threw the pass to. I can't remember if it was Marvin Mims. It might have been Marvin Mims, but it was like a five-step drop, and he never he never got set on the end of his drop, and he just launched it down the middle yeah. of the field. It ended up completing the pass and into double coverage, but yeah, just like you said, like, and I don't know if that's something that – I can't imagine that Riley and the coaching staff is just kind of letting him play with his arm strength and just as long as he's not costing them games, like just letting him be and just do what he needs to do. Or if they're, I would imagine they're trying to get him to be a little bit more mechanically sound and just not necessarily make all the incredible, like stupid throws that he needs to make or can make and just be more efficient in that offense. But I thought Kennedy Brooks looked really good. He had a Absolutely. 30 yard run, which, uh, you know, helped out his, you know, eight, his 6.2 yards per carry. But he looked good in his first game and what, like, a year and a half. Yeah. Like a long time. And people, Aaron, it's the weirdest thing. People just continue to underrate that guy. Like he's, he doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have elite power. So nobody really wants to give him the credit that he deserves for how good he is. But you know, he has elite, I think vision and patience and instincts. And he's, he's fantastic. I always like to compare him to Le'Veon Bell, like watching him run, I'm not saying that he's like elite, like all pro NFL caliber level, but like the way he runs, like you said with the, excuse me, the patience and like the field vision and like how he doesn't overwhelm you with any of his like speed or strength or physical attributes. He does. He runs a lot like Le'Veon Bell in my opinion. And like it consistently works. Like he's went, how many different like iterations of an offensive line has he gone through in his time in Oklahoma that like, despite all the different like rotations and guys in the offensive line, like he's still consistently runs the same and like is effective as he was from game one to this past Saturday. So yeah, I think that I think people probably wanted Eric Gray to be a little bit more uh, impactful, but for game sure one and at OU, like maybe as the season goes on, he progresses, but there, that running back room is not as deep as we thought it would be, what, like two or three months ago. So yeah, they've lost like five guys. <laughs> It's insane. Yeah, they're gonna need, they're gonna need a second guy to step up uh, in that offense. I mean, I think Kennedy Brooks would probably carry the brunt, but again, in a game against Tulane where you're up like twenty and half, there's probably no reasons for Spencer rather to throw it forty times. Right. Well, my biggest so, question mark for this team going into the year was, can they run the football when everybody knows they're gonna run the football? Right. Oklahoma, they're Oklahoma, so they're most weeks gonna have like a hundred yard back. And I think, it, like, from a box score standpoint, the run game's going to be pretty decent. But what I'm talking about is, you know, it's third and one, it's fourth and one, it's, you know, you're on the goal line, and everybody knows you're going to run the football. Can you just physically dominate the line of scrimmage and run the football? And I think that's a question that kind of remains. I, I don't know that that was answered for me. The offensive line play wasn't, you know, A-plus by any means. At the same time, I think we all have a lot of confidence that Bill Biedenbow is going to get that group probably within the next few weeks to a really high level. I mean, the year they won the Joe Moore Award, I remember talking to Bill Biedenbow on the field before the Texas game, and he was like, yeah, you know, this is a work in progress, but I think we're getting closer, and, you know, we are we are maybe a game or two from really turning that corner. And I think it was that afternoon in the Texas game where – we really saw them take the step from being average to being dominant and the rest of the season they were dominant. So, you know, they're still kind of mixing and matching the personnel. And I think once they get that settled, uh, that part of it will get better. But if it's, if it's fourth and one, you've got to be able to pick that up. I mean, no matter who you're playing, yeah. if you're Oklahoma and you want to win a national championship, you have to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage in those critical situations. And I will say, Bill Bidenbo, from my experience, like he's pretty he's pretty honest about the state of the offensive line at OU. Like, yeah, if they're not very good in his eyes, like he'll he'll it may be in private conversation, or it may be at a press conference or a media scrum, but he'll tell you like there's a lot of work left to do. Like this, there we're nowhere near where we should be or can be. And like you said, that year that they won the Joe Moore Award, like he saw it, like he could see that that line was was like this close to being an elite level offensive line and they ended up obviously being an elite level offensive line by the way though uh quick shot like michael pratt the quarterback for Tulane, oh yeah i don't know how this dude ended up at Tulane to be a he's a freshman right is he a freshman i i let me double check 
Yeah, he's a true freshman. Oh, I, I never even caught that during the broadcast, so. True freshman. Playing his first game in college football, and I, I know it's a home game, so, like, he had the, the whole, you know, he didn't have to go on the road week one uh, against <laughs> OU, so. But That's, he looked yeah. really good. Like, he was really impressive. Um, Dude, how good was like he made passes in the first half that I was like, holy cow, who is this kid? How is this dude at Tulane? Yeah, he is way too good to be playing quarterback at Tulane. If he played that good of a game as a true freshman, his first game of college football. Now, you got to hope that it's not just like that was the peak of his college career and it's all downhill from there. But yeah, he looked really good. He was really impressive. Like, I don't think that he was any worse like then Spencer Rattler, like those two quarterbacks, like side by side in that game. Like I, Spencer Rattler made two mental mistakes and threw a couple of picks. So like you'd have to say that P- Michael Pratt outperformed Spencer Rattler in that game. Now, Absolutely, that, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that M- Michael Pratt is even close to the talent level that Spencer Rattler is capable of. Spencer Rattler's the better player. Spencer Rattler's the better quarterback. But on that Saturday, yeah, I completely agree. I think Michael Pratt outperformed Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and it was it was impressive to watch. I was legitimately shocked. Uh, I saw a stat, by the way. That was the first time ever in the history of Tulane football that they had scored more than 17 points against a top 10 team. Wow. That's amazing. I think it's an interesting ever. dynamic in that game because, like, nobody wants to give Tulane as much credit as they probably deserve. They are a much tougher opponent than anybody gave them credit for even coming into the game. That's a tough football team, and there's good players on that team, and they're really well coached by Willie Fritz. At the same time, there's also Oklahoma's side of this, and Oklahoma being a national championship contender, and for as much as we can sit here and say Tulane is better than anybody gave credit to, and and Tulane is a tough team that you have to put away or they're going to challenge you, national championship caliber teams shouldn't struggle to that degree with a team like Tulane. And again, that's not anything negative against Tulane, but to have a game come come that close within a yard of potentially being in real danger of losing the game, like a national championship contender shouldn't be in that kind of danger in, in my mind. So it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic where I, I want to like pound on Tulane being a good football team and better than anybody expected but at the same time, if you're a national champion contender, you should look look much better than they looked. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little hesitant to really like look too much into this game for OU um, because I thought in the first half, despite they did look sloppy, like the tackling didn't look good in the first half. Yeah. Tackling didn't look good at all at any point during the game. But yeah. it, it they were still up by what twenty points at half despite them playing sloppy. Right. And then I, I I think if they would have come out in the second half, it just continued to run their offense the same and attack downfield, then we're probably looking at a scenario where OU still wins by double digits and it's a comfortable win. So yeah. game one and game, look, they always say that like the biggest improvements in college football come from week one to week two. 1,000%. You don't get a preseason. Yeah, you don't get a preseason. You don't get, you know, exhibition games or anything like that all you get is your practices and your scrimmages and with your own team so we'll see next week they is next week the nebraska game or they have a game in between i haven't i honestly haven't even looked this week uh, is what is it western carolina Carolina and then nebraska okay so they should beat western carolina by 60 yes and look pretty damn good yes and then they they got nebraska who ended up winning like adrian gonzalez played okay this past weekend for a change and they won but like they should still yeah pretty handily take Nebraska down. So, I mean, in a few weeks, we'll be talking about Oklahoma back on that, like, mountain. Oh, I agree. I agree. All the flaws that we're pointing out in this game one, like, none of them are issues right now for me to be concerned about going forward. But, I mean, what we're doing is evaluating game one, so they have to be pointed out as far as that specific performance. But, yeah, I mean, to me... None of that stuff is on the same level as like the lack of physicality from the Oklahoma State offensive line. Like that to me is a real concern going forward. And look, maybe they correct it next week, especially if they have, like I said earlier, their quarterback and and they're opening up the playbook and the defense has to play them a little bit more honest. Like maybe all that gets better, but that to me is a real concern going forward. All the stuff with Oklahoma is, I, I think, mentality 
type stuff. Like you just have to be more engaged. You have to be more focused and because the talent level's there. I mean, they have the pieces in place and we've seen those guys play at a much higher level than what we got on Saturday. And I, I think the other thing I wanted to get your opinion on with Oklahoma is the defensive line. Because while I don't think they necessarily played bad, obviously the difference last year was the moment Ronnie Perkins came back and we saw that defensive line go from a good unit with, with really talented players to a dominant unit. And as far as just being completely disruptive, like we saw them at the end of the season, they weren't disruptive against Tulane. There were some flash plays for sure, but I, I didn't feel like for the majority of that game, they were dominating the line of scrimmage and disrupting what Tulane wanted to do. And, you know, a lot was made this offseason about whether whether that was Ronnie Perkins' presence or, you know, it all just kind of came together at the right time. Because, like, there's no doubt that even without Ronnie Perkins, Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito and Perrion Winfrey, like, those guys are all-conference, maybe even all-American caliber players. How, yeah, but how much how much do you think that like as far as like the defensive play calling that Alex Grinch really opened things up as far as like bringing blitzes and like getting a little bit creative and like really, I mean it's a true freshman quarterback. Like, is your game plan really involving that many things that uh, might be a little bit exotic and like really put pressure on the other team? Well, see, that's that that to me is again that's the worry though because last year Oklahoma didn't have to get exotic. And they didn't have to bring blitzes. They were dominant with their front four. And, I mean, that's what made the defense so good. So, I mean, again, we've seen those guys play much better football than than they played Saturday. And I'm not saying they were bad. But it wasn't the completely disruptive performance that I was expecting. And, look, I think they're going to completely dominate the Western Carolina offensive line on Saturday. But if Oklahoma is going to be a national title contender and they're going to be at least on the same level as the teams that they've seen in the playoffs in the past, that defensive line has to be the disruptive group that they were at the end of last year. If they're not, then I don't think we're talking about Oklahoma being on the same level. Yeah. And look, obviously like that front seven and that defensive line, like disrupting and getting into the the backfield and, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback that makes the secondary look significantly better because it makes their jobs easier. Right. I still came out of that game more concerned about what they have in that secondary and what they have in that sec- that second and that third level because, like, the tackling was just, like, visually, like, from drive one, like, you're like, ugh. Yeah. Like, they're, they, there's just something not, not clicking in this game with tackling. Because, I mean, when Tulane's receivers are getting 11 yards a reception, like – there's a lot of yak plays on there. And I, and I, I know that uh, Michael Pratt attacked downfield pretty, pretty mm-hmm. effectively in that game, but still like you, you gotta, you gotta get that squared away. I mean, they, the two lane receivers had more yards per reception than Oklahoma receivers did in Oklahoma. You could argue is should have the best passing game in the country yeah. with the talent that they have. Yeah. So I, I'm a little more concerned right now. Like, I don't know who that guy in that secondary is that you could trust to go make a play. Like last year it was Trey Brown, like Trey Brown, absolutely stepped up and improved so much last year. And it was a guy that in that defensive backfield that you're like, if we need a play at a big point in this game, like he's a guy that could go make a play. And I just, right now, I don't know who that guy is in their secondary. Maybe. Well, it's a bunch of young guys. I mean, the safeties are obviously veterans with Pat Fields and, and uh, Turner yell. Yell. They've those guys that feels like have been around for like 10 years now, but the corners, I mean, Billy Bowman's a true freshman and then you're you're rotating like Woody Washington and DJ Graham and Jaden Davis got some run and uh, McCutcheon the freshman was out there on Saturday. Um, like I, I think the physical ability of those guys is all really good. So like it's again it's one of those things that I think give those guys a few weeks and they're gonna look significantly better than they do now. Yeah, I mean, again, Western Carolina is definitely a uh, a game. <laughs> designed to you know yeah. make all these dudes look yeah. a lot better and change our conversation that we're having right now but i'm not i'm still not too worried i'm not either. i do i like we've seen enough from guys like isaiah thomas and perion winfrey and nick benito to to know that these dudes are legitimately like 
impact players on the defensive side and they can get to the quarterback. I think Jalen Redmond is a guy that's kind of, he hasn't really shown it consistently, but like, I think there's still like that potential there. I know he went through all the health issues over the past couple right. of years, but like, I think he still has that, that ceiling to where he could be a disruptive guy. I don't know if he's like Ronnie Perkins level disruptive, but I mean, he could be an effective guy coming off the edge. So as long as like those cornerbacks and the, that secondary can, I mean, be effective, they don't even need to be elite or great. Like if they could be effective, then yeah, I mean, they'll be, I think they'll be okay. And then the offense, I've got, I've literally got no worries about the offense. It's Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in football at yeah. any level yeah. of evolving his offense throughout a season to like fit what he has as far as like the talent abilities of his players. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm no worries for you. Um, it's like, it's funny because it's like, what a wolf performance. Like it was not good, but at the same time, it's like, I'm, you know, no red flags for me. Like, it was just yeah. a bad performance, but I'm not worried that that's going to be the norm. Yeah, I mean, look, if I have to nitpick, like, things and, like, stuff like Spencer Rattler's kind of, like, mental mistakes to kind of force the ball, like, that first interception, there was no reason to make that pass. And I think that was just a lot of him just over-trusting, I guess. I don't know if that's the right yeah. phrasing, but, like, over-trusting his arm ability to throw it in triple coverage, and it didn't work out. And I, we saw that from him last year early in the season of him throwing stupid picks that he shouldn't be throwing. And then as the season progressed, like he just eliminated that from his game. And, um, you know, you would assume that maybe as the season progresses this year that that eliminates. So, yeah, Be, I love the people that are just jumping the gun on OU being overrated. And like, oh, good I saw Lord. somebody, yeah. <laughs> some guy, I saw somebody from ESPN. I don't remember who it was, but a college football guy that works for ESPN, like saying that. Spencer Rattler isn't even on the same level as Matt Corral, the quarterback from Ole Miss, and like we need to stop over evaluating or overrating Spencer. Like, yeah, what are you talking about, dude? That's that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, if you're gonna go by that standard, then I mean, neither is Sam Howell, who struggled against Virginia Tech, or DJ Uyunglele, who struggled against Georgia, or JT JT Daniels for Georgia, or Michael Penix for Indiana, or who else? I mean, there was a I saw a list yesterday of Derek King. Derek King, yeah, I saw a list of the top ten quarterbacks in college football yesterday, and like going into the season and how they performed in Week One, and like eight of the ten, I think were all guys that we would say were on the disappointing side of the expectations. Yeah. Yeah. What are we talking about? So like, this yeah, is an insane conversation. Yeah, and yeah. we talk, I mean, look, in, def- in our defense, we did talk about Sam Howe, maybe like you know North Carolina, maybe being a little overrated. At 10. Yeah, he lost his entire offensive arsenal. (laughs) All his receivers, both his running backs. And that was an offense last year that we're just repeating myself at this point. But like an offense that was built around giving the ball to Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Man, how awesome was it, though? Like that to be that Blacksburg, that game in Blacksburg. Oh, man. Just fans back. And like, if you want to like epitomize like, college football atmosphere like obviously blacksburg is one of i mean from like probably the top 10 as far as like to show for to show somebody that's never watched college football absolutely like i think that's it because like their stadium kind of sucks it's kind of a dump they're in the middle of virginia (laughs) and just ruckus like awesome atmosphere understand man thing like oh, the whole thing. It's it gives like, me goosebumps every time dude like no matter how many times i watch the inner sandman like i get goosebumps every time i i will say though it it plays so much better in night games like there's something way more intimidating about like them running out the inner sandman when it's dark and the moon's out and the fire like, you actually see the fireworks behind them yeah but still awesome yeah awesome thing and like <laughs> I don't know if ESPN showed it, but like the walk from the field house, they have to walk like half a mile from yeah. the field house to the like little crappy tunnel in the corner of the stadium. Like, yeah, it's yeah, that's awesome. That was fun. And Virginia Tech, I mean, I guess the ACC needs them to be good. I don't guess it matters though because they beat another ACC team that was in the top ten. So. Yeah, good defense. I, I mean, guess, I think it's fair. Yeah. To say the defense looked good. Um, again, understanding UNC is is a. Uh, a team that's looking for offensive playmakers literally everywhere, but 
Yeah, I thought they, I thought defensively they were good. But you're right. I mean, that atmosphere is, I mean, it's as good as it gets in college football. And I thought there were, I thought there were three times this weekend where I just literally had goosebump moments. One was Virginia Tech. Two was, did you see the jump around at Camp Randall in the Wisconsin Penn State game? The video of that? I did it. I mean, I've oh, seen it before, dude, you, but... yeah, you have to watch it. Okay. Yeah, that was one game that I didn't I didn't get to watch. Oh my god. Well, you didn't miss much as far as the game. It was horrible. Yeah. And if you do go back and rewatch it, just do not watch the first half. Going okay. into the third quarter, both teams had combined less than 200 yards of total offense. Well, I talked so. last week about me think not really buying into Penn State and so I was like Penn State Wisconsin, yeah, I'm probably I'm going to I got I got a ton more games I need to watch, so I'm going to go ahead and Yeah put that on the, on the but find it on twitter i'll retweet it actually because I, I i think i tweeted it on saturday but find the video of the, the camp randall like the music comes on and the place just loses its mind it is like it, it i literally was like hair on the back of my neck standing up it was that awesome and then the other one was sunday night notre dame florida state to, to see dope campbell just packed full of fsu fans doing the tomahawk chop like that was also just absolutely awesome i mean that might have been the best game florida state's played in like four years first off yes and but thank god like if you're a florida state fan thank god you didn't win that game because then espn like florida state's back the seminoles are back and then you spend the next 10 years just being made fun of and struggling but yeah, yeah. uh i thought that uh malik uh excuse me mckenzie milton and georgia travis like well, actually mckenzie milton didn't really play that much but um, I don't know. Mackenzie Milton ends up starting for Florida State. I think he's probably a significantly better option than Jordan Travis and probably gives him a better chance to win. But, I mean, that was a game. If you look at the box score, you're like, how the hell did Florida State get to overtime in that game? Like, there was they had no business being in that game with, with Notre Dame. But, yeah, that was, that, was, that was fun. I'm still in the middle of watching that game. Uh, That's a good one. Curtain back. Yeah, but, it was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to, uh, by the way, shout out to Tanner Mordecai, who threw seven touchdowns in his uh, Smooth. debut. Did Grant Calcaterra and catch any of those? I think he caught three. Okay. Two. He had two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, okay. Yeah. Three catches, 51 yards for Grant wow. Calcaterra and two, two TDs. So uh, Tanner Mordecai just lighting it up for, for SMU. I thought that was cool. Um, That's going to continue all year long, and every time Spencer Rattler struggles... It's going to be like Tanner Mordecai. Look what he's doing down there at SMU. Look, there's literally nothing to argue. Like nothing you can put on your argument, list of arguments for Lincoln Riley not knowing how to evaluate quarterbacks. So if Riley says that this guy's better than this guy, he's probably right. Dude, there were Twitter comments on Saturday that it's Caleb Williams time because Spencer Rattler was throwing interceptions. People are out of their minds. Yeah, you're talking about you're talking about a guy that's going to be the, a top three pick in the NFL draft next year. Yeah, crazy. All right, before we hit the NFL, I got to hit one more thing as far as college football goes because I thought uh, for as much as I was disappointed in the Oklahoma State defensive line or offensive line, I really like that Oklahoma State defense. And once again, I thought they showed up. They fly all over the football field. I mean, there are you know Malcolm Rodriguez is on pace for like 3000 tackles this year. Um, the defensive line looked good. Like I've, I've been a big fan of Tyler Lacey for a while. I think he's on pace to have a difference maker kind of year for them. But I mean, they, they at least have bodies, I think on that defensive line that look like they are. Devin Harper looked good. Devin Harper was terrific. Yeah. We obviously know that safety tandem is, is maybe uh, among the best in college football. Like I defense look good. I, I Jim Knowles unit deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, it's funny how the the script has just completely flipped on Ohio on Oklahoma State over the past like two seasons, where they've just gone from great offense to a defense that you better hope they hold the, the other team under forty to like a completely inept looking offense to a defense that's going to have to carry them in every game yeah. right now, seemingly. Yeah, like overnight, it's yeah. just it completely flipped. Tay Martin, though, I think is a beast and. I, I want to like see, oh man, he's, what a stud. And I want to see Brennan Presley get more opportunities. Like, 
get him the football. I, I find creative ways to get him the football. The guy's a, a playmaker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you talked about the offensive line really, really getting uh, outplayed, or really, or maybe not outplayed, but not playing up to where they need to be. But yeah. I don't know if LD Brown's that dude in the backfield. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to know when you when you get no push up front. Like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, like I said, like it's kind of hard to evaluate, but yeah, it, it, I don't, I don't know if they have like a, a Chuba Hubbard type dude or a Justice Hill type dude in that backfield right now. But again, like you said, if Spencer Rattler is healthy when he comes back, like it, it does change the whole dynamic of the offense. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for my massive overreaction to whatever happens on Thursday Night Football? Because if the Cowboys beat the defending champions. It is Super Bowl or bust, and if they lose, it is fire everybody, and we're going 0-17. There's no in-between, Aaron. Are you shocked that Tampa Bay is an eight-point favorite in that game? No. No. Eight points? I, Dallas, is a, like, Dallas is a good team. Dude, I honestly thought like it would be about a field goal game in favor of Tampa, and then the Zach Martin news comes out, and like that literally ruins the whole thing for me. I, I, I legitimately think that Dallas is going to have a hard time stopping that Tampa Bay defense. That That is the biggest spread of any game in week one. Yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the offensive line shows up and looks good. But I mean, you're talking about tackles that didn't even play last year. You're talking about the, a center that like, you know, again is good, but it's not like it's, it's at the same level that it's been with Travis Frederick. Um, and then Zach Martin has been like the one constant, the one shining part of that offensive line over the last five years. And if he's not there, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really worried about what that O-line is going to look like against arguably the best front seven in the NFL. I don't even know if there's an argument. Like they, if, if they continue where they were last year at the yeah. end of the year, they are the best front seven. Yeah. Still though, I mean, you're, eight points, like that's, that is shocking to me. Like, I understand that Zach Martin's out and like that really disrupts everything in Dallas's offense and being able to, you know, not have Dak Prescott getting hit every down and, you know, getting some push for Zeke. But still, I, I still like Dallas as a, like long-term this season. I still like Dallas a lot. Like I think they're a really talented team. If they stay healthy, obviously, but that's the, obviously the right, right. for every team in the NFL. But eight points just seems steep. And by the way, Tampa Bay lost their opener last year too, and they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, it'd be all right. It'd be all right. I think it'd be a good game. I, I, I would pick Tampa, but I think I do think it would be a, it'd be a good game. Um, I, I, I do want to say something though. I am okay. Big, giant middle fingers to the NFL for not giving us a Monday night doubleheader this year in Week One. The hell? What? We're not getting one? No, there's only one game. Ravens Raiders is the only game on Monday night this on week one. No doubleheader. Like, what are we doing? Uh, well, that's news to me. I hadn't even. I mean, I guess I don't. I didn't look into it because I just assumed that that's the way it's always been. Well, I only found out right now because I have the week one schedule. Just yeah, we get Andy Dalton on Sunday night football, and then only one Monday night game in week one. And, he, and they make the schedule before Justin. I'm pretty sure they made the schedule before Justin Fields went to Chicago. So they made that Sunday night game thinking. Knowing, yeah. Well, Andy Dalton. Uh, Andy Dalton and Mitch Trubisky week one in Sunday night football. Maybe they just really want to turn up the heat on Matt Nagy to put Justin Fields in the game. Because if Andy Dalton's on Sunday night football on display for the whole country, then everybody is like, dude, what the hell are you doing? That's fair. Like, ah, uh, man. Like, what are we doing? First off. We have an, a Las Vegas game on Monday night. So there's your late game right there. Just move that back a couple hours and then give us like, I don't know, freaking Browns and Chiefs or Dolphins Patriots in the first game. Like, why? Yeah, give us two games. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best Monday night of the year because you get two games. I'm watching Monday. I'm watching Monday night football from six to midnight. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I don't get that this year. You know what? Thank God. It, it, I, I feel like every year, that first Monday night game, the late game is a Raiders game, and it's at the Raiders. Terrible. And we have to yeah. watch that stupid football game on a baseball field, and they still have the dirt out there. Thank God that's over. 
That's fair. I don't know why I, I get irrationally upset watching football games take place on baseball fields. Like, I don't know why. It just, it bothers I, me so bad. I think we've had this conversation back, like, a long time ago at the radio station. I like the baseball field. It's just so... Ugh. If every team did it, I would hate it, or half the teams I did it, I would hate it. But, like, the fact that it was, like, just Miami or just Oakland or, or just, at the end, just Oakland. Like, it was just something unique and a little different. It was cool seeing guys get tackled at second base. I was like, that's kind of fun. It hurts my eyes, Aaron. It, it, like, legitimately hurts my eyes. It's painful to look at. I am interested in that game, though, because it's going to be the first game that fans have ever seen the Vegas. It's been to a Las Vegas Raiders game. So, yeah, it's the, I guess, I, this week, really, we're getting the opening of two stadiums, like, legitimate openings, because you have L.A. opening SoFi and then Allegiant opening officially, so... Guess, I, I guess that's why this that's the Sunday night and Monday night games is because those two stadiums are going to be have fans for the first time. Obviously, the Rams were on Sunday night football to open the year last year when they played the Cowboys. But yeah, I guess they're just you know recycling that that whole idea. But there's a lot of week. I, there's a lot of games week one that I'm really interested in though. Dude, Browns Obvi Chiefs out of the gate is right. I mean, as good as it gets, right? And and talk about I mean. There's going to be massive overreaction to whatever happens with Dallas win or lose against Tampa Bay because it's the Dallas Cowboys and because they're playing Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions. So, like, no matter which way it goes, there's going to be massive overreaction. But I think there's going to be massive overreaction to whatever happens with the Browns also. They, they are, I mean, I've heard people make the argument they are the most talented team in the NFL with what yeah. they did this offseason. Baker is just insanely polarizing and if they beat Kansas City, I, like everybody is going to say they should win the Super Bowl, or at least they should represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. If they lose, then I think everybody's going to be like, you didn't do enough. Or, you know, if it's the passing game or the defense, like whatever the reason is, like, it, you know, what they did wasn't enough. They still can't get over the Kansas City Chiefs. It, I, I love that game. Yeah, my my favorite game of the week on it, like the game I'm looking forward to the most, is probably Arizona Tennessee. And I like Arizona's. There's not a lot of people that are super high on them, but I I'm just interested in that matchup. I want to see Kyler Murray and Derrick Henry like go back and forth. And yeah, I think Tennessee, their defense has a lot of questions, but like I think their offense is good enough to absolutely carry them like far in this season and possibly a deep playoff run. Uh, Green Bay, New Orleans, obviously Drew Brees is gone, but. I don't know. I think that Jameis Winston's going to be fine this year. Like, I I think that he's going to – I don't know. He's not going to be MVP caliber or anything close to that. But, like, I don't think he's going to be a 30-30 guy anymore, not under Sean Payton and his offense. So, yeah, like, that's a fun game I'm interested in. Um, I I guess I'm in, I, I'm sort of in, – I'm, I'm interested to see Trevor Lawrence against Houston. Like, this is completely a scenario where Trevor Lawrence looks like – an unbelievable superstar week one and everybody's like expectations are the opposite of what we were just talking about. Yeah. Way too high yeah. because he just, he throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns against the Texans. And then we're like, Oh yeah, he, that was the Texans are the worst team in the NFL, but all, I uh, all Char the rookie quarterbacks, like I think it big storyline for week one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make me feel good that, uh, for if I'm a Trey Lance guy that, you know, Kyle Shahan really, really went behind Jimmy Garoppolo this week and, like, really seemed to put all of his faith into Jimmy Garoppolo and talked about, like, how yeah. Jimmy G's their guy. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. It, can't, it won't last that long. But No. Yeah, Steelers-Bills. That's a Steelers-Bills. That's another good week one game. Is it? It's going to be a fun Sunday. Is it? Well, I mean – I think that's a good litmus test to see if Josh Allen and the Bills can continue from where they were last year because the Steelers do have a good defense. Okay, a, that's I, fair. Yeah, they do. That's it's, a, it's a good test to really see where Buffalo's at going into, you know, where they were at last year. And then um, that's going to be a fun Sunday, though. Like, I'm, I can't wait to freaking get pizza and turn on Red Zone Absolutely. and just watch the NFL for 10 Absolutely. hours on well, Sunday. I, yeah, I, I literally, Saturday and Sunday, will not move, like, all day long. I mean, I'm going to be in front of the television. Well, And my Saturday and Sunday is going to start early because Saturday morning, we Little Man and I have F1 qualifying, and then Sunday morning, we will have 
the next uh, whatever the next race is in in Formula One on Sunday morning. But so I will have early starts to both of those days. We'll watch our F1 at like 7 a.m. or whenever it comes on. Have that out of the way, and then it'll literally be college football day Saturday, NFL all day Sunday. Nice. Is uh, Mercedes still sabotaging their season? I don't know. They just uh, they just made a driver change. So uh, Valtteri Bottas oh. is out. He will be joining Alfa Romeo next season, and they bring, they're bringing up the prospect. George Russell is going to take the second seat at Mercedes next season. So look out. So so does that? What happens in F one when they when they replace a driver mid season? Does that guy keep racing for the team? Oh yeah, no, they have to. Fin- yeah, he has to finish out the season. That sucks. Yeah. Like hey, yeah. Let Lewis let Lewis pass you. No. Right. Not letting him pass. Well, he's been doing that for five years, so I mean, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, but now they fired him. Yeah. Absolutely (laughs) right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because people probably don't give a damn about this, but I'm gonna talk about it anyway. Last Sunday, so you, so it's where you finish is a point system. So like, first place gets X amount of points, second place gets X amount of points in the overall standings, and then whoever sets the fastest lap gets a bonus point in the standings. Well, literally with three laps to go, Mercedes is trying to get Lewis the fastest lap and Valtteri Bottas gets it. And they're telling him like, don't get the fastest lap. Lewis is going to get the fastest lap so we can get him the extra point in his, you know, battle with Max Verstappen. And Valtteri goes and gets the fastest lap. And then he's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And then Lewis has to haul ass and Lewis ends up getting it. But uh, Valtteri had done it like literally the lap before uh even though they gave him instructions not to get it so that's awesome i yeah. love the uh yeah. just the stubbornness and the... yeah it's cool so like on the broadcast do you really do they have like audio piped into the broadcast of like the the pit crews and like, oh yeah the, the race teams oh yeah like, oh, okay that's all that's what and the and the drivers like responses they will yeah they will like give you there's somebody that obviously monitors all that, and then when there's anything interesting, it's they'll obviously work. delayed, yeah. but like by a minute or two. But they'll, yeah, they will. Uh, they'll bring up like the pit crew and talking to whoever and the the exchange and the back and forth. It's really cool. Yeah, I guess there's got to be a delay because you could easily have somebody on another team like watching the broadcast and like relaying the conversation, which they do. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, they, like there will be times that like they're saying. They'll be like Red Bulls telling Max, like Lewis is complaining about his tires. He might be pit, pitting soon and or boxing soon, as they call it. But yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it's awesome. I, it's uh, it's it's a good time. So yeah, we have a we have a big weekend planned. It's gonna be, it's gonna be thrilling. Uh, let's end on wow. this. Okay. Uh, thoughts on your playoff teams? You don't have to give me like uh, how you think the playoffs will go, but give me your six playoff teams from the NFC and the AFC, and then your Super Bowl champion. Well, it's seven technically, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. You're right. Uh, all right. Well, I'll just run through by division. I'll do division winners first, and then uh, the wild card. Teams. Okay. Uh, I'll go Buffalo in the East, uh, Baltimore in the North, Titans in the South, Chiefs in the West. So there's four right there. My wild card teams are going to be Cleveland, the Chargers. Surprisingly, they'll finally win some games and. Uh, I'll go Steelers. Uh, AFC is kind of tough. There's a lot of good teams in the AFC. It's kind of hard to like pick through. Uh, all right. In the NFC, Cowboys winning the East, Packers winning the North, Tampa winning the South. I'm going to go with the Rams winning the West. And then my wildcard teams are Seattle, San Francisco, and, uh, New Orleans. Okay. Nice. Um, okay, so AFC, I've got I think the exact same, except I have the I have Bills, and then I have the Browns winning the division, Titans, Chiefs, uh, playoff or wildcard teams. I'll go Ravens, Chargers, Steelers. So the same seven, just different different uh, outcome in the division right. winners. Division winners in the NFC, I have Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, and 49ers. and then my wild cards uh, are the Cardinals. And I'm just going to do this. I don't think all four teams are going to make it, but I think it's the best division in the NFL. And I think, I I think three of the four will make it. So I'm just going to go Cardinals, Seahawks, Rams as my wild cards. I agree. It's the best division. We talked a couple of weeks ago about like any of those four. I don't know about the Cardinals, but like the Seahawks, Rams, 49ers, legitimately any of those three teams can win that division. And the Cardinals. Dude, I think the Cardinals can. I think they absolutely could. If they stay healthy. Like, right. They made some additions on defense. Um, 
yeah, if the defense improves and Kyler Murray takes, you know, a little another step up, like yeah, absolutely. I mean, Arizona could win it. They're probably they're definitely my fourth Can team in that division that I, as far as rankings, but like it's a great division, yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. I think that really, I mean, I, I think the NFL is in a good place right now. I think there's probably only like four or five teams I look at and I'm like that team is just terrible. They're just yeah. absolutely no positives right now. Yeah. So probably it's a good place i think there's a lot of uh parody in the nfl as there usually is by the way uh thanks for snaking zeke elliott in front of me last night in the draft well call me in about three weeks i might be willing to trade him yeah i kind of i thought like when when you were on the clock and zeke was still there i kind of thought i was going to get him because i was like there's no way aaron's going to draft a dallas cowboy like he won't do it and then you took him and i was like that bastard if I had any confidence in Saquon right now in that Giants offense, yeah. I would have taken Saquon, but I, I at least know that Zeke's going to stay healthy, so I, I had to take. Yeah. Well, I did, Saquon play. wasn't even a, an option for me in that. I was either going to go after Zeke was gone. For me, it was either Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb. Yeah. And look, I think the Browns are the best offensive line in the, in the league, and... I know he splits carries with Hunt, but he's still the number one guy. He's still going to get plenty of goal line opportunities. Like I just, yeah, it's it's, like it's a safe play. Yeah, yeah, it's a safe play. So I'm excited though. I got I got one more draft tonight, and then I'm, I'm done with all my drafts. Nice. How many leagues? I went from two last year to I think I'm in six this year. Wow. People just kept asking me, and I'm like, "All right, yeah, I'll do one more." Yeah. My last, my last draft is our late night fantasy draft, and uh, the okay. draft order was determined by uh, the NASCAR race this past Sunday. We had a, uh, we randomly had drivers assigned to us, and of course, my driver hasn't finished like half the races this year, so I got the next to last pick. Uh, that, that's awesome. I love that. He fit. The only reason that I didn't get the last pick is because somebody drew somebody that D, that didn't finish, that had a DNF. I'm going to do that next year in our league, but with Formula One, so. It's it's fun. Like, we've yeah. done it before with, like, uh, I think last year when the NBA playoffs were going on, it was, like, a one of the Lakers games where we just had players randomly assigned, and the draft order was set by, like, points scored. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I had, like, Contavious Caldwell Pope or something like that, so I ended up getting, Ugh. like, the 10th pick. Ugh. But, yeah, we usually just do some random stuff that just takes any, like, it's just something to. Yeah blame or watch i don't know it's fun though yeah i'm ready though i am stoked for thursday night yeah i can't wait it's uh as a cowboy fan obviously i'm i'm extra excited because not only does the nfl kick off tomorrow night but it's my team as well and it's dak coming back it's you know most of uh most of the guys that missed last year being back healthy so I mean, there's no denying that the Dallas Cowboys don't have a lot of star power. So to to watch yeah. them and the defending champs, ugh, I'm I'm totally ready for my heartbreak. So, well, I mean, don't get your hopes up too high. Dallas went 0 4 in the preseason, so yeah. I wouldn't expect them to be too good. Yeah, no, I'm I look, I'm gonna be like smile on my face, grinning ear to ear all day long tomorrow. All the way to the point of kickoff, and then the ball's going to get kicked off, and I will just completely go from like being happy to being like disgusted. So that's that's the I'm, life I live. I, I'm just going to be living the good life since I've checked out on the Texans. There you for, go. Right, maybe forever, but definitely for at least the next couple. Of I years. thought you were embracing the Cardinals. What happened to that? I am. I am embracing okay. the Cardinals. I, I got, but I can't. I gotta. I gotta have a game before i'm like all in okay you know what i mean okay like if, if kyler murray gets hurt week one it's gonna be real tough for me to be a cardinal well that's year. fair here's you you need to spend money on some gear because i feel like somehow in your brain like if you spend yes, money yeah. on some gear you're gonna have a little bit more emotional attachment right i have yet to have any cardinals on any of my fantasy teams so i don't even have that to like yeah inspire me to root for them to do good but I'm hey i have i drafted matt prater last night so i'll i'll trade you matt prater for zeke elliott that way you have a rooting interest. That's all right. All right, I'll think about it. That seems like a, a fair trade. I might you might have to right. throw in like a backup receiver or something. Okay, fair. Marquez Callaway. There you go. This could be sneaky. You're high on the sure Saints. Though. You're high on the Saints. Somebody's got to catch passes. Somebody's got to catch them. Absolutely. All right, but my friend, uh, always great stuff. And uh, by the way, it's somebody pointed out yesterday to me on the radio that. Uh, the traditional radio phrase when you let a guest go is always good stuff. 
and I never, it never even occurred to me, but I was like, yep, that's, uh, that's, I, everybody does that. Like I, I do it, but so everybody's like always good stuff. Well, we had a, on our old show, we had a few people call in that we didn't uh, give that uh, courtesy to. That's, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> well, uh, all right. All right, we are out of time. Thank you for Bye. answering the phone when we call. <laughs> Bye. We won't be calling you again. All right. Always good stuff, Aaron. We'll catch up next week. Podcast is over.